This is Masters Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number 78 for March 27th, 2022. Being a champion is about defending those who can't defend themselves. Hey everyone, thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratus Macca. And I'm Josh Lioncourt, also known as Just Lioncourt. And today we have a special guest on the show who is... James E. Top, uh, formerly known as Buster Toons, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Old school. Old school. Take care. Peace, <laughs> the peace artist formerly known as. The artist formerly known as. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Hey, we're all like Grayskull elders. Seriously. We, are, we do go back, right? Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. In the days before social media. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and uh, about a billion and one uh, Facebook groups, right? <laughs> oh my yes. gosh, yes. <laughs> it's it's funny on Facebook because I'm in so many of those, you know, He-Man and She-Ra ones that it's often like you never miss news, right? Because it's like Mattel uh, was recently posting figure re- uh, uh, reveals, right? Yeah. So yeah. it was like I would see the Mattel post. Then it's like this group reshared it. This group reshared it. So it's like my f- entire feed is like of the same crop of photos. <laughs> Yeah, or, or if you're lucky, David Clark shared this photo to 1,000 groups. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, there he goes. <laughs> Mattel better be paying him good money. <laughs> I, I do like it because you don't miss you miss stuff, but I kind of miss the mailing list. The mailing list was interesting and fun. It was simpler yeah. times of yeah. oh, what would you like to see in a He-Man movie? Ironically, still waiting for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> And then we had the Flame Wars. Those were Flame fun. Wars. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot that was a term. Yeah. It just brought a whole feeling flooding back. <laughs> right. That is, that is scary. Flame Wars. My goodness. It's, it's so funny. Like, so many of those names are kind of from the early days of the mailing list and the community are still ingrained in my soul like the the scott whites the robbie byswingers the um jake jacob quisenberry the sorceress yeah Um, yeah there's all these kind of names from the past and um yeah just kind of but then i I kind of didn't jump onto eman.org initially but um yeah i just i you know that that community in itself seems like a lifetime ago now but the mailing list is you know, Adam Tyners and all that stuff is, uh, yeah, I mean, luckily, you know, he's still in touch and stuff, still turns up at the odd power con, but uh, God, I do I do sometimes crave for those very simpler days. Mm-hmm. Oh, me too, yeah. buddy. Me too. Well, you <laughs> mentioned um, Scott White and Robbie. I got so mm-hmm. many episode, you know, trades yep. with them, whereas yep. now you can just, you know, go on iTunes or Amazon and just buy all the episodes quite easily. <laughs> Yeah. I've still got on my shelf right right next to me, I've still got the first ever VHS tape trade. Or I think, I can't remember what, what I, I got in touch with Scott Wyatt. And we're talking early 90s. I think it was like 
February of 96. And he sent me a VHS tape, you know, uh, nine episodes on, or maybe it was 12, so like, you know, and it's super, super long play. And it's like the longest, you know, they, they're getting everything out of they can of that two hour tape. And um, yeah, I've still got that VHS with the, like the episodes that I hadn't seen at that point in 10 or so years. And now that, that was like 30 years ago now. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's, yeah, time has gone on too quickly. But uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, I think Scott White popped up in the early days of Facebook, but yeah, just I guess people come and go, you know, that's just yeah. part of the uh, the community. For some reason, we all decided to stick around and still talk about this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Gluttons for punishment. Gluttons for punishment. <laughs> I still have my old v- my old VHS tapes, Scotch really? brand, of nice. like which includes the premiere of Secret of the Sword on USA Network. So like when oh. they I guess bought the Shira package, um, yeah. and they premiered it. It was like a USA Network event. Wow. Um, and I have that. I should go back and watch it because it's um it's it, it's funny to me when I will watch a clip on say YouTube that was obviously ripped from a v, you know VHS as opposed to the remastered DVDs yeah. because you know the speed difference. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, the, by, yeah. Yeah, so it would be kind of interesting to to. Re- I wonder if it would just feel so slow now, uh, since I'm, I'm so used to the speed up. Yeah, it's a scary thing. It's like when I first got on the internet and then discovered, oh, NTSC is the correct speed for He-Man. And then so every PAL tape, or when I was doing the episode review website, any audio clips, I would slow down. And that's when I worked out the, what's it, like 3% speed difference that isn't really noticeable in terms of length, but you just pick it up in the audio because the pitch is raised. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it was it was so weird, you know, to to do all that, and then I'll, I'll never forget sitting in the um, oh god, was that like 2003? Sitting in the, the DVD production house, and they're like, right, um, we're going to gear up to do these episode commentaries. I'm like, great, great, I get to see, I'm going to finally get to see a remastered episode of He Man, and it was like a scene from Diamond Ray, and I just went, oh my god, these are in PAL. They were like, is that a problem? I was like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, we'll just do it. But I just remember thinking, they've remastered the entire series in PAL. I just didn't know that. So you, you had that speed up, which has now become the norm, which is really weird, really, really weird. Well, it was weird in general, right, how it seemed like they thought uh, you know, overseas was a viable market to you know, continuously use the cartoon, right? Because they yeah. did remaster it that way instead of, you know, it, it once it went off the USA network, it wasn't aired here at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, in, the, in, in the UK, it was the same thing. When, when it stopped airing on, on terrestrial TV, we just never had reruns because then the new adventures of He-Man uh, took over, which um, I know a few of us in this group are champion, still champion to this day, <laughs> of, uh, new adventures love. I wish. Yeah, I wish those ones weren't re. Like, well, they at least don't look as well remastered as the filmation. Well, cartoon. no. But the funny, the funny thing was about the new adventures is they just got those series from Broadcast Masters. But there's, I think there's like five episodes. I've got them written down somewhere that were released to DVD that were remastered. It's the weirdest thing. One of them is, oh, um, oh my goodness, one of them is Four Ways to Sundown. Um, one of them is, oh, what's the one when they go back to um, Hydra's homeworld? Cirrus? Uh, Siege of Cirrus? Yeah, that one's one, one, one as well. That's, I think that's another one. What's that? Once Upon a Time, I think is one. Yeah, it? Once Upon a Time and uh, The Test of Time as well. Those those episodes are actually remastered. They look gorgeous. Um, yeah. Just really weird, though. <laughs> like five episodes of 65. It's like, could have made more of an effort. Yeah. <laughs> is there a reason for that? Did they just choose no, some no. at random? 
I don't know. Maybe they, maybe Hallmark were like, hey, let's see what we're going to do with these. And then maybe someone watched it and said, I don't think anyone's going to watch this series apart from those <laughs> weirdos, those weirdos in the community. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> we're representing, that's all. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, New Adventures is up on iTunes or Amazon to purchase either. Oh, wow. Like a lot of the yeah, other it's... filmation stuff is, so... Yeah, such I, I still, you know, well, it's like any He-Man and She-Ra series, I'll always champion. It, it may not, like these, you know, it, obviously I can speak about the current stuff. may not be my favourite interpretations of He-Man and She-Ra, but I'll still give them a watch. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, like, like, I, I told you, John, like, I, I enjoyed the, um, the first batch of CG. I still have yet to watch the, which is why I have to check out at some point. <laughs> um, uh, I still enjoyed the first batch of the CGI show, and I, I have yet to watch the second half. So it's like, oh, I've got something to look forward to. Because it's its own thing, you know. I, I, what I really enjoy about the new adventures is you can't get anything more different than the original series, and, like, and yet the new adventures I came to love as a great show, a, an alternate reality of He-Man. So, mm-hmm. therefore, why can't the CGI thing be the same thing? That's that's my attitude to it, anyway. Yeah, I love that. Great. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd even say like a revelation is, a, dare I say, somewhat of a uh, alternate reality as opposed to a <laughs> continuation. <laughs> But that's, that's not me. Sure. That's not me. Yeah, that's not me crapping on the series. That's just me saying, look, it's it's some people's idea of how the these events would go. Um, yeah, and I, I, I get the direction they went, um, at least for the first five episodes. Um, and yeah, the CGI stuff. I, I yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it. It's always one of those things like, oh, we're going to bring in a new character. I want to see how this happens. And yeah, really enjoyed it. Well, kind of speaking to the fact of going back to the good old days of the mailing list and things like that when, when we really only had, well, I mean, we had new adventures, but we had basically, you know, we were all trying to get all the episodes of filmation. Oh yes. You're on the podcast today to talk about a little project you did called, um, return of faker that kind of blossomed into a soon to be documentary. So why don't you kind of give us, uh, the little, a little bit of a timeline on your uh, plot points there of how oh, this boy. occurred. I was going to say, uh, a little thing that blossomed into a cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was, I was giving you, you know, I was giving it a positive spin. <laughs> that was a spoiler alert. Um, yeah. So I, um, so yeah, uh, it, how did it come to be? I, I, you know, you know, me, John and everybody listening. It's like, I don't do this. Um, I don't do things short. It's like, James, can you tell us about this? And it's like, waffle, waffle, waffle. Um, so, we love your waffling. Uh, my, my waffles are great. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I was working on the official He-Man YouTube channel in about 2013, I think it was, and really having a fun time doing that channel. It was a lot of work, but it, it was a nice outlet, and everything was official, so I could make videos and everything be official. And the guy who ran the channel, was, I was working for Classic Media, and this was around the time NBC Universal, I believe, were about to acquire the series from DreamWorks Classic. So many names. I, uh, give me Hallmark and L'Oreal. Let's go back to those days. But um, yeah, he, uh, the guy running the channel was, was really cool. And But he said to me, okay, with this channel, you've got carte blanche to do whatever you want. I like, wow, okay, we can do whatever we want. Great. So I was making silly videos, joke videos, commentaries, uh, 10 best this, 20 best that, 50 best, you know, the what became a staple of YouTube videos. And oh, I, I was working on the channel with um, Dusan from, um, you know, from, uh, was it from Serbia? <laughs> I was like, what's 
do something wrong. And um, he's like a passionate filmation fan, as people probably know. And uh, yeah, he um, he was like putting together because we got when we did the channel, we were given all the music and effects tracks. That's every episode of He Man and She-Ra without the dialogue, but just the music and effects, which is really fun to listen to. Yeah, um, that's freaking awesome. Well, it was amazing because it was like it were his two hundred and twenty-three episodes, and. You could hear, you know, like, for example, a scene from The Problem with Power or a scene from The Price of Freedom or, or you know, Vordak's Power Play. <laughs> Why did I go there? But, yeah, just really random episodes. You could, and you could listen to the whole audio, just like the music and effects, and you get learn to get a new appreciation of certain things, although we all love the music regardless. So Doosan started, I gave him all those tracks, and he just started cutting together um, because he's, like, so, I, I don't know what the word is, just crazed when it comes to i need to recreate this stuff and he he basically cut together the instrumentals from different episodes and was like right there's that instrumental it's like oh wow and there's that one so he just meticulously went through the series and said well that's where that track appears but it stops there so i'll go to another episode and he just literally went through the whole series and created i think it was like 72 he-man instrumentals something like that some 280 It was, it was it was a crazy amount, and we we uploaded them to YouTube, and then and then somewhat amusingly after that, um, uh, La La Land Records released the soundtrack, and it's like oh damn it, <laughs> <laughs> that would have saved us a bit of work. But um, they but the the thing about the La La Land, La La Land release is they had they didn't have the right takes for for example the Snake Mountain theme, which was they used the Shira version as opposed to the He Man version. Um, uh, yes it's it's just uh, certain things I think they um, I'm no expert with uh, music at all but I think when they did the She-Ra series they took some of the more iconic um, He-Man music uh, tracks and kind of restructured them and kind of re-instrumentalized I don't think that's a word but I've just created it and (laughs) and would you and kind of bring it into the She-Ra music when you think of She-Ra it's a lot of guitar lots of ding 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 all that stuff so certain tracks were kind of re-scored. And um, so he had all these music tracks. And then Doosan, because he's an evil magician, what he was able to do is take the music. And if you can imagine like on an, on a, on a, like a, an edit, an editor program, you've got one track is the music and effects track. And then above that, you've got the full mix. So the music, the effects and the vocals, because we had all those obviously as well. And then what he was able to do is like split the difference. So he, whatever program he was using back in 2013, 2014, he was able to tell the program, right, hit these tracks together and tell me what the difference is. And basically the difference turns out to be the vocal tracks. So then he was start, he was able to start creating vocal tracks for every episode. So this was just episodes, just pure dialogue, no background noise, no this, no that. And oh it's like, God. wow, we, we've got like, and you can only do it for, you can't do it for all the series because to do frequencies and I think a lot of season two episodes were recorded in a slightly different style that sounds weird I I mean maybe the environment and so yeah it was able to create these vocal tracks and so it's like right okay what we're going to do with this and at the same time we were uh, talking about oh wouldn't be we've got carte blanche on this YouTube channel this official YouTube channel why don't we um why don't we make a video just like He-Man and Faker having a fight that's probably pretty good let's just do that so it started off as a five-minute He-Man and Faker fight. And it was just like, oh, we could have He-Man fight Faker. It's like, oh, I kind of want, I kind of want He-Man to be there for a reason as opposed to just fighting Faker. So what like, well, what if Orko's being captured? It's like, yeah, that's predictable. We'll do that. We'll put Orko's captured. Well, how about we kind of show how Orko gets captured? Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, then we can show how 
Prince Adam is aware of this situation. What about if we kind of figure out like how Skeletor brings Faker to life? And oh, um, yeah, maybe we'll have this subplot as well. And da, da, da. and it went from you know a five minute fight scene to then it was like a fifteen minute mini film then it was like a 20 minute episode and then as we were proceeding through the final year of production which was 2019 it's like yeah this is this is 31 minutes and i think and yeah we got to that point so in terms of animation i'll try and keep this bit really short but what dusan did again much like the instrumentals was you think of one sequence um think of like a, a three-quarter stock where Teela walks into shop, um, she looks left, she looks right, she looks up, she looks down, she connects it three different ways of that shot. Now, you don't get that in every episode. Teela doesn't look up, down, left, right, and, <laughs> and exit the shot three different ways. So what Doosan did was went, went through the entire series and, and put stock together again. So literally was recreating the stock system. And then what he did was trace every single frame and every layer and everything to recreate the stock footage. So, for example, if you can imagine a Photoshop file with layers, Teela's one one of Teela's stock sequences, I think, has like 370 layers. So that's, what? that's head movements, that's happy eyes, sad eyes, happy mouth, sad mouth. Um, uh, and then you've got a few little gimmick ones where it's like, oh, we could use that bit from that episode. Like in The Gambler, she pulls this um, quite comical face. I was like, I'd really like that scene in the episode. So bring that in. Yeah, and each, we did it all in um, HD or 1080p. And um, yeah, put it all together. Did it as 4.3 because we did contemplate doing widescreen. I was like, ah, I wouldn't feel, wouldn't feel like a filmation episode. And the one thing we kept trying to do throughout is... I, we just wanted to keep it. We wanted people to watch it and just feel like, I, I don't want to say the whole thing about, oh, I want, to, I want to remind people of their childhood, which a lot of people obviously do get from this, but it was, I want it to feel like a, a filmation episode. Like suddenly He-Man doesn't decapitate Skeletor and you're like, wait, what? I didn't <laughs> want anything like that. It had to, everything had to feel like it was, it could happen in an episode of He-Man or She-Ra. And there's granted, there's one or two, there's one or two moments like in the He-Man and Faker fight. We are, I'm not sure they would have done that in filmation. It's like, well, he's a robot, so He-Man can get away with slightly more. As we as we know, we were always told when they were hit robots, <laughs> take that, robot. And yep. um, yeah, it was it was it was a lot of that. Um, but yeah, we just primarily wanted it to feel like and it, it's worked because I still get people saying to me, like, how did you find this deleted episode? And it's like we didn't. We made it. They're like, what do you mean? <laughs> so, well, <laughs> allow me to explain. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, um, I guess that's the basic episode, story of the episode, John, maybe? I think. <laughs> I think so. Um, but then... Oh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> So I just like I just like oh. to I like that you you gave the story because it shows of it, this was not done um, for lack of a better term I don't want to say that but like this wasn't du- done for like some cash cow how can Good. I make oh. money off of this this was made out of uh, fan love for the property uh, you were working on their official YouTube channel it kind of happened very organically I feel and I think that's an important message to. Oh, very much so. Yeah, like it was one of those things where there was a few times in my, um, in quotation marks, career, um, where there's certain things I wanted to do. One was going back all the way to like the early 90s. My dad was big into Star Trek, The Next Generation. I couldn't care less for it at the time. 
And um, we went to a comic shop one day. And he, this isn't my dad, but he picked up like a, an unofficial Star Trek nitpickers guide. I was like, what is this book? Um, and because he would come home from work just after Star Trek started, he would ask me every week uh, I'd come home from school, he'd ask me to record uh, Star Trek for him, Next Generation. And because, like, you know, or to make sure the timer on the VHS recorder worked. <laughs> that, that used to be a thing we did, kids. We didn't just press a button and say, you know, record series. We had to uh, program the timer, usually about two minutes yeah. before, and hope for the best. Yeah, um, and so not only that. Oh my God, forbid you get the channel wrong. I'm watching it. Why am I recording it? So, um, so I would I would sit there record. Like I'd probably be drawing or something whilst recording uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. But what I found myself doing with this nitpickers guide is it went through every episode. It broke it down. It broke it down into like bits and pieces, um, you know, datarisms where data says something or, you know, Picard's commands or memorable lines and da-da-da-da-da and trivia and did you know and deleted scenes. So I'm reading this book and I was like, oh, wow, I remember like going through each episode and it made it like a real interactive experience. And that was in 93. And I remember thinking to myself, my goodness, it'd be so good if someone did a He-Man book like this. And, and then you cut to like, uh, I don't know, was it just under 20? I forget, 2011, 2010, 2011. And I did the unofficial guide. And then that turned into the official guide, thanks to Dark Horse. And it's one of those things where I look back and it's like, wow, you know, where could I go from here? That's That was literally, as I like to say, that was my initial mic drop. Where it's like, I did the thing I really set out to do. You know, everything that came b- between, you know, Zadok, meeting Zadok Angel and him going, we should do a website. I'm like, no, I don't want to do a website. They're rubbish. And then we did a website. <laughs> and then we did a website. I hate writing was my words. And he said, <laughs> He said, you should, you'd enjoy writing. I was like, I don't like it. Um, you know, then meeting Rob Lamb, obviously, and Rob going, oh, do you want the series Bible? I was like, don't mind if I do. And, you know, he would <laughs> hand, hand me all these different things. I mean, that was the beauty of, of, of getting to know Rob Lamb. It was went from, I've got an idea how the animation process works. I know enough about animation to, oh, my goodness, I've got a He-Man storyboard in my hand or a script or this or that. And it really kind of fleshed out my um, love of, what and this this pertains to fake, the return of Faker is what became my love of filmation and oh that's that's Lou Scheimer and oh um uh you know uh Larry Dottilio and Straczynski and Rob Lamb, Bob Ford, Tom Taranowitz, all these guys, Tom Sito. You start putting faces to names and then you know you'd see their names pop up on other shows and it's like, oh wow, so he worked on that as well. And um yeah, and so when I did the animated adventures book, that was like the culmination of you know, episode view websites, mailing lists, you know, knowing filmation people. And it was like, all right, it happened. I mean, I'm sad that it happened after Lucian passed away, but, you know, Erica loved it. I was so happy when she saw that book. She was like, she even, I think she went to, she was at a power con. I think she promoted it for me. I was like, oh my goodness. Wow. Was like, no. She was like, someone goes, you know, Erica is promoting your book. I was like, what? Okay. And like, there's a video. And I was like, that is like the sweetest thing. She's, I mean, she, Anybody who's met Erica is such a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I thought, oh, okay, well, that's that. And in the meantime, I was still working on the um, – I was working on the official YouTube channel as that book came out. And, yeah, I just – Dusan and I have such a love for filmation. I thought, you know, we went from that initial idea of making a fight scene to doing something to celebrate He-Man and she and, and long before Revelation started using it as their tagline – we went around, or at least I went around saying at PowerCon and various other places, I was like, The Return of Fake was like a love letter to the Filmation series. You know, the, the first end credit 
that pops up. You know, the you know the f- famous shot of Castle Grayskull at night pops up, and the first credit is dedicated to Lou Scheimer. So it's like this is this was our what if there was and that's, this sounds really arrogant, but what if you could make the ultimate fan He-Man episode and like make it slightly more than Filmation could have done? Because obviously we had so much more at our disposal, computer technology. You know, we kept it all Filmation, but we were able to do so much more than Filmation could. And um, like certain glowing effects, certain special effects. And it, yeah, it was just, it was from start to finish. It was just a, a, just a love letter. Um, but yeah, if you want me to go into the whole dun-dun-dun, uh, then I can do that. Where... <laughs> I think well, you should just to preface how it it jump started yeah. the well question yeah. was the next thing that happened um, you brought it to PowerCon to show uh, yeah, it at so, PowerCon yeah so I did I did PowerCon um, I'm trying to remember so twenty twenty nineteen was it 2017 um, was the first PowerCon I brought the Return of Fakety we had we had oh my goodness I think we had two scenes completed which was the opening with Skeletor you know. Uh, uh, bringing Faker to life and the next one was um, uh, Faker versus the Evil Warriors the kind of opening battle so it was was a good good thing to show off to people that was 2017 2018 we'd completed all of Act 1 so we went there and that was the year I was so happy it was the year where there was a bunch of Filmation guys there so you had you had Rob Lamb, Vic Dalchell, Robbie London, Tom Tadaranowitz, Robbie Goran. Um, I think Swanigan was there. A bunch of other guys, and it was just after we showed um, Act One, those guys came up to me. It was just I remember like this great photo of just all of us together. It's just and they're going, I don't know how you did that. And I was like, yeah, I just kind of scratched my head at times as well. <laughs> but just just so lovely about it. And um, I remember Tom Tom T just going, uh, he goes, you spent a lot of time on this. I was like, yes, yes, we did. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, any any financial gain? I was like, none whatsoever. I go, this was just done for love. And he's like, you can see that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it, it was uh, yeah, 2018. And then 2019 PowerCon, uh, we were due to show it uh, the whole thing again for free. You know, hey everybody who wants to watch the Return of Faker, we've done it. Here's 31 minutes. It's going to be shown and then probably uploaded to YouTube for free. That was always the actually that was the plan. I even publicly said that it's going to we're going to show the PowerCon and then the following two days later, <laughs> as good as my connection is and the Howard Johnson in, um, if I can upload <laughs> the whole thing to YouTube, then everybody gets to see it. Um, uh, Howard, Howard Johnson in does a mean breakfast. Um, so yeah, I uh, I thought yeah we can this will be great. And then and bear in mind I should also mention that um, the YouTube channel, the official YouTube channel people, uh, and by extension, Classic Media, DreamWorks Classic, and NBC Universal, whatever their name is, these at that point, um, they were very aware of what we were doing, and it was just like yeah they're just making this fun cartoon for free. Yeah, yeah cool, and. Um, yeah, I think it was a month before, or a month and a half before. I just opened up my email one day, and it was just like a cease and desist from NBC Universal. And I was like, "What?" And it just—it was heartbreak. It was absolutely heartbreaking because it, it was this little fan project. And don't get me wrong, it, it was—it was gaining traction because people were like, "Oh, this is this looks really cool," and people were really looking forward to seeing it. But it was just—it was a thing that probably would have gone up on YouTube and got like a few thousand hits or maybe a little bit more, but it, we're not talking, you know, millions upon millions of views. It's not going to do that. So I thought like, wow, 
this could be something special. And then for, for NBC Universal to send the season desist, I understand. Some people go, oh, you clearly don't understand how copyright works. That, no, I do. But there was almost like an unwritten understanding of, oh, we'll let them do this because it's not going to harm anything. Mm-hmm. And then I think Eamon O'Donoghue kind of said it best. He goes, I think I think maybe the project got too big for its own boots. And I was like, harsh, but I kind of get what he's saying. It went from being, I guess, a little fan film to people were talking about it quite a bit. And I was like, okay, cool. And then, yeah, the season desist arrives and it says stuff like, um, you know, we're very protective of this brand. And I was just, he just wanted to reply and say, tell me what a Malakthor is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> dear, dear NBC Universal, what's a Granamere? And they're like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I'll be, or, or even like be a real jag up and say like, uh, uh, you know, how many episodes of the series are there? Uh, tell me which three episodes He-Man transforms back into Prince Adam. You know, it's, 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 well, I keep, I've said recently, people go, um, you know, I've had a few people, as is part and parcel these days, um, message me privately and, go, uh, you know, kind of not have a go, but just criticise the return of Faker for its existence. And I kind of just say now, I've, I've got to the point of not not caring, but just I'm a little bit tired of but not playing nice, but just towing the line, a line I don't have to tow. So I'm like, look, the truth is, without my years of research and all this that, and the other, NBC, Univ- NBC Universal probably wouldn't even have um, a master list of episodes or or a bunch of synopses or mm-hmm. any knowledge of that stuff. You know, the, the background that that Castle Grayskull day, daytime shot, the filmation one, you see, you see used across packaging, so many things these days, especially where it pertains to the classic stuff. Um, that's from Lee Clevenger's collection. Lee was like, yes, yeah, scan it and... Uh, or, you know, use it. And then it became, you know, part of Mattel's property. And yeah, of course they could do whatever they want with it at that point. But um, yeah, just, it's like, I've done so much and that was my reward. But I, I should stress as well, like um, I did say to, when I, re- when I responded, I was so polite and careful and giving, <laughs> giving, how, how bloody, <laughs> what a martyr. But no, I said, <laughs> um, I said to NBC Universal, I said, look, we finished it or we're about to finish it. I said, why don't you, Take it, you know, let us show it at PowerCon and then literally take it off our hands. And I said, do whatever you want with it. I said, put it on DVD, release it digitally. Um, did, did, I, I offered them all this stuff. You know, granted, I'm not the one in a position to offer, but I was just saying, just get it out there officially. Put your stamp of approval on it. Get it out there. Because I said, people will like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just said, anyways, that was June of t- July, maybe June, July of 2019. They said, oh, we're currently... We're discussing it. And then I messaged them in August. I messaged them the day before uh, we were due to show it. And I said, hey, um, blah, blah, blah. And they said, yeah, we're still in meetings. And then it's like, what? Mm. This is the longest meeting I've ever heard in my life. Um, (laughs) Methinks they weren't even in a meeting, but uh, they they were kind of (laughs) holding off. So um, what... uh, what was advised to me to do was a um, do a presentation at PowerCon, which I did. So I showed, I did a presentation about here's how I made um, the return flag. Here's how we put it all together. Here's like the first part of this presentation. And then here's act one. And then here's more of the presentation because we're not showing the episode. We're showing the process of the episode of what led to, oh my God, here's act two, which you've never seen before. And then I'm so glad I recorded the room because I was nearly in tears by the end, but um, I, uh, I was going, it was getting, it was re- received so well. But then the moment that did it for me was, um, I was like, you know, it's like, I said, sorry to curse, but I was like, fuck, we did it, man. We did, we actually did this. We made a new He Man episode. And then as the credits rolled, like, 
I don't know how many people are in the room. Like Val Staples reckoned it was like somewhere in the region of like 400, 350, 400, which is, you know, a lot more than I would have ever anticipated sitting in a room to watch this. And um, every, from what I saw, everybody like stood up and applauded. And I was like, oh, Christ, I think I'm going to cry because it was just so, it wasn't like you were waiting for that, but it was such a, it's hard to put into words. It was just like, we, we did it, you know. It was it was a real kind of moment of I, I I don't know what the words are, but just yeah, it was just it blew my mind that people received it so well. And and then afterwards, trying to get back to my hotel room it was like an hour and a half of people just going, "That was amazing." And I was like, "Thank you so." And I was you know I'm not going to go like go away. I need to have a piss. I was just like yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it was it was you know, and and then obviously. On the on the Sunday, I think it was Rob McCullum came out to me and said, I, "I think there's a documentary in this." And I was like, "You, th- you think maybe?" And he's like, "Yeah." He goes, "I think we can turn this into like a thing, and then that way you can properly show the return of fake." And I was like, "Okay." And then we did the fake information and Kickstarter stroke Indiegogo, and it raised over goodness, what was that? I think the last total I checked was like hundred sixteen thousand dollars. And um, yeah, and it did really well. And and then annoyingly, we shot ourselves in the foot because I said, "There's no way we're going to get like eighty thousand. So if we get eighty thousand, we'll add nine more minutes to the return of Faker." And then we got eighty thousand. I was like, "Oh crap! Now we've got to work." <laughs> yeah. Just, but but the good thing is, like I've um, the scenes I've come up with because it, it does kickstart your kind of passion for it again. And I like storyboarded these new scenes as a scene with Teela and Merman having a. A, like a one and a half minute fight in Snake Mountain. There's um there's a pre-credit scene because I always love the greatest adventures of all with the sorceress doing her narration um into the series. Oh sorry, into the special. So I thought, mm. oh my god, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if the return of fake has like a pre pre-intro sequence? And I and I storyboarded it and I showed it to um Lee Clevenger, who I think some of you know. And um and Lee was like, that's incredible. And I was like, right? And it answers questions. <laughs> so <and that's> it. <laughs> It's like a, it's like about a minute, and there's no dialogue, but it's absolutely perfect. I was just like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> so um, it's it's nice being able to um, yeah work on it again, and um, yeah, it's sorry to sound like a scratched record, but it's just one of those things. If the com- if the people that owned the um, like NBC Universal, if they saw actually watched it, uh, they would probably go, we should do something with this. This seems so silly that it's just sitting there on some guy's hard drive collecting mm-hmm. dust we should turn this into something and make it official let's just tick a box make it official and yet i don't want to do that so yeah that's i guess that's where we are right now well what about the documentary portion of it um where can people go uh if you're still accepting backers and what process is like what's the current status of that because i know you had some difficulties you know due to covid and Yes, I mean the ball is really on Rob McCullum's court because, like, he's he's the guy making the documentary. I'm merely the subject, <laughs> so I feel like I'm, I'm being operated on or something. But um, yeah, he's uh, I, he's he started interviewing people. I know that much. So he obviously does like um, the action figure adventure series. So mm-hmm. he interviews people, but he's also doubling up and saying like, "Hey, you want to talk about uh, the return of Faker?" So um, yeah, I mean the the current place to go for. The uh, the fake information um, is the crowdfunding is on Indiegogo. I think if you search for fake information, you'll find it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I, I'm hopefully going over to America for the first time in like since 
bloody the world shut down. Um, <laughs> I want to go like around about October, sorry, August time. Uh, I, I, uh, yeah, true glutton for punishment going during the height of summer in, in Los Angeles. That'll be good for my pale, pasty skin. <laughs> Just, I'm not going to burn at all again. Um, so, yeah, going um, around about August and then going back in October. And on both of those trips, Rob and I were talking literally a couple of weeks ago saying, I think we could probably do a lot of filming then because we want to kind of want to meet Erica. Um, I say meet, I met her numerous times, but, you know, hang out with Erica, have mm-hmm. Erica watch um, The Return of Faker, um, go to the, the Filmation building on um, uh, on Sherman uh, Sherman Way and, and uh, Lindley, kind of have that as a almost like a pilgrimage. I mean, I'm not going to pretend I haven't been there five billion times before, but I feel <laughs> that would be a, re- a really nice thing to capture in the documentary. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. towards the end of the year, I think it will come together quite quickly. So hopefully early, very early next year, Rob will however, release it in some way. And, um, I mean, obviously the journey of the documentary is can we get it made official? Like, and, and that's something Rob is working on. So um, I know he's documenting that, so documenting that. So fingers crossed, you know. And then what's your opinion? I'm, I'm wondering. I don't know if you've seen it, um, but a couple years ago, and I think they put out two different movies, they did animated versions of the Adam West Batman show. Yes. And they got actors to, and some of them were pretty believable to kind of do impersonations of, you know, like Cesar Romero and, and things like that, because they only used, um, Adam West, Burt Ward, and I believe Julie Newmar, Newmar still alive, yeah. you know, from the original. Um, what, what would you think, uh, if like NBC universal saw your product and then was like, Hmm, and then made a movie or new episodes or something where it looks like, you know, updated widescreen filmation and they had people mimicking filmation voices what would i think of that yeah like what would you think if like because because i i totally agree with your assessment that like given the we've been so ingrained in the he-man and she-ra kind of fan culture for so long i totally see the value and why people went crazy over the return of faker Whereas, like you know, an, a corporate entity might not understand that because they're not embedded in the in the fandom. But seeing what you did, you know, but they didn't do it themselves, mm. makes me wonder if eventually down the road, um, especially well, they did some I, sort of like yeah. retro throwback style cartoon or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's it's like anything, isn't it? It's it's you know anything he man and she related is always going to, especially us lot, is always going to come across our laps, and it's it's whether or not we like the stories, the choices made, this, that, and the other, and the same would apply for a, a retro, maybe not filmation esque show, but something of that style of let's take it back, let's see what we can do, you know, re, you know, in that classic filmation style of of, of very. Um, you know, linear stories and, and nothing too complex to, uh, <laughs> to fuddle the mind. No, no, uh, no sex scenes in Snake Mountain between Snake uh, <laughs> between Skeletor and Evil In, please, um, please. <laughs> but like please. your, you know, how your episode did did two things for me that that I really loved was one, you had a such a unique or creative way, I guess I should say, of 
referencing the Snake Mountain toy versus yes. you know, the filmation uh, uh, Snake Mountain. And um, you, and this got a bit, I was, you know, I was there at PowerCon and kudos to the crowd you got there because that was after hours programming too. So that wasn't yeah. even during the main, you know, floor hours. That's right. Um, so people stayed specifically, you know, uh, uh, to, to view this, um, you had, uh, you know, uh, some characters appear in a He-Man episode, uh, that, that never happened, um, back in the day. And that got a, you know, a huge, I thought, reaction there in act two when you showed that. Um, so I, I really like that, you know, nowadays that would be possible, um, you know, having, uh, characters that maybe didn't appear in the He-Man show, right. Or, but we're in She-Ra or vice versa. So you could kind of mix that up or you could even introduce something like King Hiss who was never well, animated I mean, in filmation. Yeah, not to not to go off on too much of a tangent, but the the you know the funny thing you always get is, can you make another episode? And it's like, <laughs> yes, because it's it's as easy as pressing a button, make episode. <laughs> 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 um, but I understand why people like, which I consider almost like a um, a compliment because mm. almost to make it look so effortless that people come to you and go, oh, can you make another one? It's like, ah, not quite. Um, I did have an idea for King Hiss because I thought. I mean, it would be, it would be, you'd have to create a character model. And, but mind you, we did that for Faker. Literally, the fight scenes between He Man and Faker mm. are traced from Brave Star and 3030 having a fight in Brave Star the Legend. Mm. Now, if you know those characters, like He Man, He Man and Brave Star, yeah, that's, 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 that's going to take a while to retrace the character, definitely. But 3030 is like a, an eight foot tall horse. <laughs> um, humanoid horseman. So to turn that into like He-Man or Faker, depending on the action we needed, um, was a real, you know, bugger. But I, you know, I because I was the one, I would do the rough tracing for new sequences. So if there was, you know, we've got, yeah, as, yeah, spoiler, if anybody's listening, you know, you're going to get certain things spoiled. But when He-Man and Faker are fighting, um, there's lots of, you know, there are phys- physical contact. Like you don't see He-Man usually punch a ca- character in a co- in an episode of He-Man, but this one, my excuse was, well, Faker's a robot, so we can get away with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, retracing like characters was something I was working, was something I did throughout the production. And King Kiss would be different though, because you'd be bringing in something um, really new and having to really kind of study how that works. And I think that would be too much work. But in terms of, I remember like doing a test and thinking I could probably make King Hiss audio um, just by taking Skeletor audio. If you think about how many, how much Skeletor audio is available, right? That that yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay it, but like that's Saturday morning, car, you know, cartoon audio. So if you want, if you want King Hiss to say like, "Curse you, He Man," you could probably find Skeletor saying that. And my my technique was, how about we down pitch it? So he becomes like that that deep Alan Oppenheimer voice where he would almost like um, I'm trying to think of a character Oppenheimer voice where it, oh something like um, oh my goodness uh, Stampede from say again well yeah, you don't know Falcor so much <laughs> yeah, no Falcor or, or, or Stampede from um, Brave Star the Legend or Brave Star the series like the real guttural low um, voice and I thought like you could do that and that could be King Hiss like almost like well yeah. like a Battle Cat voice like a really guttural low 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 voice but um yeah and then i remember <laughs> there's uh, again spoilers there's one scene obviously when um uh he-man and faker do this like epic over the over the top punch 
and it basically demolishes half, well, it demolishes, like blows the side out of Snake Mountain, and the force of the punch causes He-Man to revert back to Prince Adam. There was this, I just wanted this really dramatic scene where you cut back to Grayskull and the sorceress is like, oh my God, I mean, that got a gasp at power con, I remember that, where, you know, He-Man's transformed back to Adam and people are like, oh, well, one guy goes, oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I was like, don't worry, it's not real. Um, but then um, when I was going to have that explosion, why I originally wanted to do it, and Dusan, we both, you know, we work well together in terms of creatively. We fight like cat and dog, but we, we, we're creatively, we work like that. And um, I said to him, you know, he reigns me and I reign him in. Because I, I said, oh, my goodness, when, it, when they punch, the explosion is so powerful that what, what if it cuts to other planets and you see maybe like Adora and She-Ra, oh, sorry, Adora and Spirit look to the sky. And then I said, oh, my God, you can have another shot where Black Star and Warlock look to the sky. And, and, and Dusan was like, yeah, I think you've gone a bit crazy. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it, it would have been nice, but it would have been like a little bit, really? <laughs> so we, because uh, at the end, that was like, um, we were just going to have it end with um, uh, like almost like the comedy Skeletor ending of like, you fools. And, you know, he does something to them. And I said, oh my goodness, what if he transports them somewhere and it's pitched? But I, I staged it out. And again, spoilers. Um, but I said, what if he transports them somewhere and, um, it's all in darkness, and the first thing you see is like Triclops's vision, and you just see the outlines of Hordak and Shadow Weaver, and then you hear their voices, and Evil In's like, "Oh no," because she knows, like maybe the others aren't all too familiar with Hordak, um, even though they've encountered one. But I thought Evil In for me would be the one that would instantly recognise Hordak and Shadow Weaver. You just feel that they're, they've got a more maybe a mutual respect or, or a better knowledge of one another, and then it cuts to Hordak at the end, and that that classic line from um, you know Secret of the Sword. Um, I guess it was Battle for Bright Moon. You know, it's not nice to cause trouble for the evil. Oh, that was the first episode. I was into Etheria, um, but yeah, I, I just love that line. I thought that'd be a great way to end the episode to have the villains, um, the evil warriors, in the fright zone. It's like, what happens next? It's like probably nothing. We'll never know. But what, what a way to end it, right? <laughs> yes, um, I mean. I was going to say uh, this. This feels very much to me like uh, season three, episode one. I think of a, oh, bless of you. a potential like a uh, third filmation season. It really gave me that vibe, even uh, shaking up the status quo a little, which was uh, very exciting to see. I love the the running joke with the the skeleton, sorry, the the snake mountain drawing. Um, and spoilers for the end again, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was going to be Skeletor picking up the drawing at the end and being like, this is brilliant! And he would like, forgive <laughs> the evil warriors. And they'd be like, well, phew! But then he's, he picks it up and he's just fuming that they've designed it behind his back. Well, it's 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 funny. I, originally I had the same... So the, the fun little fact, that the, the, the shot of Skeletor picking up the piece of paper, that's actually my hand that we traced over. Because I was like... I need a shot of Skeletor like picking up a piece of paper. So I basically took like six photos of my hand picking up a piece of paper from the ground and nice. then traced it as, as Skeletors. There's a few things. I think there's a shot of Faker raising his fist in the episode. That's my that's my fist. Um, uh, yeah, just you, you kind of did things to like, well, what are we going to do? We haven't got any like existing footage. Just like, oh, you know, I'm clearly built like He-Man. I can easily do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't laugh too hard. But um, yeah, it's it's... Um, the, the originally I was going to have a scene where 
so when when Skeletor like sends them away, the next shot was going to be like so he burns the plans. The next shot was going to be the plans forming in his hand, and he kind of goes, you know, just one of those kind of Skeletor quaint like hmm kind of thing but then i thought like oh it's i kind of just like the amusing visual of skeletal just facing the villains and the plans just evaporating in his hands just like (laughs) pure he's just so furious it's just um but yeah that was a fun subplot to create it started off as a joke of like oh that'd be funny if they're holding plans for the place of snake mountain so it's all about the villains um you know creating their own base of operations somewhere and then we kind of revisit it throughout the plot. And then, yeah, the, the kind of gag at the end where Skeletor discovers those plans and realises, you know, my, my villains are trying to, you know, go off on their own. Um, and again, I'd, I'd be really interested to hear Josh's opinion on this, actually, um, because obviously the audio plays such an important part of this where very few of these conversations happen in episodes, it's, it's the scene of He-Man and Teela in the Wind Raider. That entire conversation is about a minute, I guess, and it's from 11 different episodes. Wow. So I'm always fascinated when people talk about the audio because I'm like, did we do a relatively good job of convincing you that it was from the same, you know, could you be fooled into thinking, oh, this was an episode, you know, audio-wise? Yeah, I think you did a really good job. It's really funny because I went into this knowing virtually nothing about this project because I haven't been to PowerCon. I hadn't seen the... I'm not on Facebook, so I miss a lot of things as John has had to listen to me complain about for the last several years. (laughs) How come you didn't tell me this came (laughs) up? Sorry. Uh, so I went in, in listening to this, not exactly, you know, knowing I, I, I had heard enough to know kind of that you were trying to recreate a filmation, but I didn't, I didn't know any of the, you know, all the stuff you've told us here today. I didn't really know what you were doing. Yeah. Um, so when I sat down and listened to it, what I was expecting, uh, audio wise, I think fig- I figured it would have the same music and, and all of that. I, what I was expecting was for the dialogue that it was going to be, actors what shadow was just talking a minute ago about uh actors you know impersonating the oh. characters kind of like what they did on that super seven little vignette thing yes. that they did where yeah, yeah some of the characters like i know they had alan Oppenheimer, but like everybody else was like mimicked and so that's kind of what i went in and so when i first started listening i was like damn that guy really sounds like skeletor that's <laughs> Really impressive, right? And then, of course, about five minutes in, I'm like, okay, they're using (laughs) clips from from the original show. And then I spent the next 20 minutes trying to figure out what line was that one from? Oh, yeah, Yeah. I remember that line. What was that in? (laughs) But um, it was incredibly well uh, put together and uh, really, really well done. Um, So. it was uh, it was a lot of fun as that slowly dawned on me. And like and for a while, I was like, well, maybe some of them were actors, yeah, new actors. Like I thought maybe at first, like Tila, is that really Linda Garrett? And then you know, of course, <laughs> as it goes on, I realized, oh, okay, they've done it with everybody. And uh, yeah, it was yeah. it was really really uh, well done. Obviously, a much um, bigger soundstage than yes. filmation used because you you actually make use of the you know. A stereo, which while yes, the filmmaking show was yes. done in stereo, they didn't yeah, really... Yeah, very, very few people get that, yeah. The stereo, like, characters walk from one side of the screen to the other, and the, the footsteps will follow, yeah. 
Right, right, exactly, exactly. So noticed all of that. It was really, uh, really fun, really well done, and uh, really neat to hear. Like, if Filmation was making these episodes today, how would they sound with the same cast and stuff? And that that very much was the vibe I got from it. It was incredibly oh, that's awesome. Well done. I got a big smile on my face right now. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I mean, you know, AI technology now is is getting to a level um, somewhat scary um, where. Um, and Doosan's always like really on the ball with this stuff. And he's played about with it a few times where it's not quite at the level yet. But you can take dialogue, you could take hours and hours worth of, for example, the late great Linda Gary's dialogue. You know, you could have Linda Gary, all her Teela dialogue, put it into AI, uh, some sort of, you know, eventually we'll get there maybe in five years or so. And you could recreate new Teela dialogue. And there's part of it where it's like, is that poor taste because you're recreating the voice of uh, an actress um, who's no longer with us, but it's not done for exploitation. We'd, I would love to do that. I would love to have Teela saying new dialogues. It'd be like, oh, my goodness. Um, but obviously there's a, there's a slight moral thing with that, I think. But, I mean, we see it, you know, I... Um, oh, I was going to say spoilers if anybody's seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, but, you know, certain things where you bring certain people back and, you know, we, we've seen it, I guess, uh, in Star Wars and stuff like that. So, mm. yeah, I think it'd be in, it would be so interesting one day to sit down and go, I can create new He-Man dialogue or Hordak dialogue or, um, you know, uh, yeah, just new dialogue from these actors who are either past their prime, I don't mean to be harsh, but, you know, you could have skeletal. But then obviously, like, I'm sure as soon as that technology becomes available, then, you know, you get a skeletal. Someone's going, right, I'm going to make a skeletal say really dirty stuff. And you're like, oh, yeah. here you go. it's been misused already, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, yeah, also, uh, there's also a whole thing where... Um, characters like Skeletor is a little bit easier, right? To find somebody to mimic that because it's a very, very stylized voice and mimicking it's a much easier. Something like Tila, which is basically just sounds like a normal human voice. Yeah. That's much harder to be convincing. Like I, I, as much as I enjoyed some of the, uh, the super seven video, I was not convinced by the, the, um, whoever it was that was doing, you know, Prince Adam in that. Prince Adam was the one that, yeah. Yeah, it was like, it was fine, and I hear the similarity, but I'm not convinced that this is John Irwin, right? Like, because those kinds of voices are harder to replicate in a convincing way. I remember speaking to Brian Flynn, yeah, because one of the things I forgot to mention, I won't won't go into too much detail about it, it, (laughs) because it'd be another hour or so, (laughs) but um, initially when I was working on, like, the first, uh, like, beginnings of um, The Return of Faker, I actually approached Super 7, because they'd done the, the, The Curse of the Three Terrors, and I went to them and I said, would you be interested? And Brian Flynn was, like, very much so. He said, but he goes, I would kind of advise you to go out on your own, um, he said, I think you would have more fun making it as a fan film. Because he said, if you if you try and get this made officially, like through us, he said, you've got so many limitations. Like you can't even you can't even put the word filmation on screen. You can't you couldn't put like Lou Scheimer's name on screen. It's like for me, that was such an important part of the thing. 
So mm-hmm. I, I had to have Lou Scheimer's name on the screen. It's like without Lou, I, it's fair to say many of us probably wouldn't even be into He-Man and She-Ra. And it's mm-hmm. um, with, without his kind of, you know, uh, role as a producer and, and, and filmation creating that cartoon, those cartoons. But, um, yeah, I and Brian said uh, a while back, and as, I'm not, like, dropping him in it, but he said, he goes, I said something about the three terrors, and he said, yeah, we kind of did that very quickly. He goes, I think it was very much one of those things where a few months outside of San Diego Comic-Con, they looked at each other and said, we could make a He-Man episode to promote these stuff. So it was very much a very quick thing. I, th- I think he said if we'd had, you know, maybe three years to work on it, like you guys did with The Return of Faker, we would have come up with something a little bit more accurate visually and audio-wise. So I was like, yeah, I get that. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> Super 7, first and foremost, are a toy company, not an animation production company or, you know, uh, as intricately involved in the cartoon as... Uh, as uh, we fans are, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's going back to what mine said is it, we do get that quite a bit, like messages. Oh, this is like you know the 131st episode of He-Man. I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. um, although I like to think of it as because there's one little cat. There's well, actually two cameos in the first act that nobody spots because it is really quick. But shortly after He-Man transforms, there's a, a pan panning shot of the hangar bay, like the classic hangar bay shot. And on the far left, where the camera eventually ends up, is He-Man and Man at arms stood in front of the Wind Raider. On the far right side, you see, um, who's, who's it? Clamp Champ and Gwildor fixing a sky sled. And then as the camera moves, yeah, as the camera moves along, you see, you see in the far background, you see Lizard Man. You see, um, oh my goodness, it's a character from the He-Man newspaper strip, like Duke. Eberron or something like that. I don't, I don't really know the, the newspaper stripper well enough, but Doosan was like, oh, I love that character. I really want to put him in. So, okay. So, um, yeah. But Clamchamp and Gwildor are so funny because Gwildor looks more like his um, newspaper strip appearance, but he it is Gwildor and Clamchamp's there fixing. They're doing that classic Prince Adam Cringer shot where they're fixing the sky sled, but it's those two doing it. Just like, <laughs> yeah, let's put them in. So obviously that screws with everything. So like, when does this take place? I was like, I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> but uh yeah that's that's i guess yeah that's where, where everything is at the moment it's just like uh you know see what happens with the documentary and stuff but it should be you know i hope an exciting 2022 into 2023 for the for the project because it is something i'm really very proud of you know you do certain things in life i'm sure you know, i know for a fact you all have creatively where you do something whether it be writing books, making comics, uh, producing music and stuff. And and you can look back at that and go, my God, I'm so, that's, I wouldn't change anything or I'm so proud of that or that took a lot of work and, and there's the end result. Um, when when Doosan sent me the final, because he's the one that edited it all together, if you, if you imagine, we, we'd work on the scenes back and forth and then he would make the final video file. And he sent it to me. I remember like, yeah, it was a month out from PowerCon or maybe a, a couple of weeks before I went to America. And I sat in my uh, uh, room where I lived in, in pr- prior in North London. I, I sat there and I put um, I put the file or I connected my laptop up to my big telly and I watched the episode, The Return of Faith, because this was the first time I was going to see it from start to finish. And by the end, I was like nearly in tears. I was just like, oh, my God, we, we did it. Kind of like that same reaction I got with um, the showing at PowerCon, the presentation at PowerCon, where it was just, um, it was just, yeah, everything you worked so hard at, um, and my love of filmation. That doesn't mean I'm blind to anything, like uh, in the sense of, you know, oh, I'm not open to the, you know, I love the 2002 cartoon. I loved New Adventures of E-Man. I'm, I've said it before, like 
probably not the biggest fan of Revelation. Really enjoyed what I saw of the CGI. But Filmation for me was always going to be that my first version of He-Man. It's like I said before, yeah. like the Mark, the Mark Tex era mini comics are still my favourite mini comics. They're as far removed from Filmation as you can get. He-Man slaying that Glorm or, you know, punching Ram Man or whatever. Um, but I love those Mark Tex era mini comics because I remember those were the first ones I saw and I think the, the artwork's beautiful and the story's really good. But the Filmation cartoon, those are my defining He-Man and, and She-Ra characters. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's that my passion for He-Man and She-Ra, I think, is always going to go through Filmation. Some, I've seen one or two people refer to me as a gatekeeper. It's like, I'm really not. Like, my, my gatekeeping ability is really bad. Like, I, I often leave the gate open. I'm like, oh, crap, I'm letting more people through. <laughs> sort of, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not gatekeeping at all. I've, I've, got, I've got my preferred, you know, last year, sorry to go on a tangent, people, but... Um, Last year, during the um, when Revelation premiered, and we just saw the internet, or at least our community, like implode with people just fighting back and forth, and it broke my heart. And that's why, and it, it kind of annoyed me to an extent that it was like a fan, me that did it, because I think this should have been Mattel and Kevin Smith doing. It. And that's not me suddenly going, "They're the baddies" or anything like that. But I, I just said like hey, you know, everyone on social media, why don't we just do, like, hashtag I love He-Man and She-Ra and, and say one thing you love about He-Man and She-Ra. It can be from Revelation, Filmation, Classics, the Alcala mini-comics, the DC comics, the Marvel Star comics, um, uh, uh, MV Creations, whatever, like uh, New Adventures, Princesses of Power, Princesses of Power. I said, why don't we do one thing that we all, like, love about it and just say why you love that. I love this mini-comic because I love this action figure because... And my attitude was, do that because you, maybe you create a better understanding of why someone likes something so much, why it speaks to them, as opposed to, I like this many comic, and then the next person go, well, you're wrong, because Clash of Arms isn't the best. And it's like, oh, come on, man. It's just, it's the thing I like. So mm-hmm. I, I think my only thing with that is, I don't think, and, and that hashtag, it really did well. I remember like going on Instagram afterwards, I was like, wow, there's a lot of people talking about this. And that wasn't like a popularity contest. My My whole thing was, Let's get people celebrating He-Man and Shear rather than spending weeks on end tearing down, oh, Filmation's crap. Well, Revelation's crap. Well, this is crap. Well, at least it's not the New Adventures crap. It's just, oh, my God, why can't we celebrate this? And I, I feel that that should have been Kevin Smith and Mattel and NBC Universal maybe putting that out there saying we should all be celebrating this stuff. Like, you may not like Revelation, but tell us what you like about this. Instead, we had Kevin Smith going, oh, these, you know, there's just trolls and stuff. It's like, yeah, I get there are, but I feel that we should be celebrating more than tearing everything down. Mm-hmm. That was just my take. But, um, yeah, sorry for going on a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> well, people also often, they like to discredit something. You know, like, example, back in the day, everyone thought, you know, Michael Keaton, 1989 Batman was, like, fantastic, right? And mm-hmm. then you get the Chris Nolan films and people are like, Oh, well, you know, Burton Batman isn't really true to the comic, you know, Nolan is so like, you know, Michael Keaton sucks, you know, like you get those kind of things and I'm just like, Oh, whatever. I like it. Um, yeah. And with the filmation, if you didn't have the, the marriage of the toy line and filmation kind of at that sweet spot in the eighties, you know, He-Man and She-Ra would not have been the global phenomenon that we know of today. Mm -hmm. Uh, so even if you don't like filmation anymore as an adult, which I can, I can totally understand that. Like my heart was crushed when I watched, rewatched some Inspector Gadget and I was like, Ooh, I was (laughs) like, this is a bit difficult to get through, but man, I mean, I don't get me wrong. He-Man and She-Ra were like, 
my top dogs, but like I was really into Inspector Gadget and the fact it's that I don't now. yeah the fact that it's not watchable now doesn't destroy you know my happy childhood memories of of Inspector Gadget yeah. nor did the Matthew Broderick movie destroy my love you know of, mm-hmm. of of Inspector Gadget so I wish people would not be as you know contentious like I didn't enjoy season two of Revelation but I would still a watch season three and give it a chance and b mm-hmm. if you did. That's awesome. You know, it wasn't my cup of tea, you know, but I really liked the CG show, whereas kind of maybe Josh would be the opposite of that. And that's fine as well. It's disappointing to feel left out, I think. And that's where a lot of that hate comes from. You know, like, why does this person enjoy this so much? Well, you know, to, to to jump on that a little bit, one weird thing happened to me the other the other week, and it was it was actually quite refreshingly sweet, weird but sweet. So I, I went in my local, to- well, the local toy store in London, Forbidden Planet, and I took a photo of the Origins. I Well, I say Origins, it was Origins, Revelation, whatever new He-Man product. They had this whole display. And I took a photo of it. And I said, and my caption was, I may not collect Origins or much in the way of toys. Don't ask me why in brackets. But I said, but I love, and I truly do love seeing Master Universe toys on display because it's like, ah, oh, we're still alive, man. In mm-hmm. some way or the in some, some shape or another, still kicking. Um, so it was really sweet to see that. And I had a guy message me going, I, um, well, he didn't message me. He actually said it publicly. Um, well, obviously, if I name names, I don't, don't think it would matter, but I'm not going to. But he said... Um, he said, I thought you I thought you liked this stuff. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I thought you had a passion for He-Man and She-Ra. I was like, I do have a passion for He-Man and She-Ra. And his attitude was, yeah, but you don't collect the toys, so therefore you don't have a passion for He-Man and She-Ra. And oh. I think I replied, like, yeah. I spent three and a half years making a He-Man episode for nothing. Where does – and I've spent, you know, 20-something years. I've spent nearly 30 years in this community trying to celebrate He-Man and She-Ra, trying to bring knowledge, trying to entertain. It's like, at what point – do I now, am I, have I lost my He-Man and She-Ra pass? You know, and apparently it's because I don't collect the Origins toy line. He messaged me, I messaged him privately. I said, look, like, what's going on? Why are you saying this? And he did apologize. And he's, because I sent him a voice message. And I wasn't like angry. I was just a bit upset. It's like for someone, you know, I know it's one comment in a million or whatever, but it's just like, why, why is that? And he said something really interesting. I think this speaks a lot to the community or actually fandom in general. That's a better way of putting it. In that because I, you know, is James Etock or, you know, so-and-so, um, you know, think of like people that have been around the community for a while. Because I wasn't collecting the toys, he felt that that meant, it was almost like, well, if he's not collecting the toys, then why am I collecting them? But I know they're good, so therefore he thinks they're crap. It was almost like I, he was mm-hmm. looking at me as a um, uh, what do you call it? like um, uh, the not the needle, the um, uh, barometer. Uh, barometer. That's the exact. Thank you. That was the exact word I was looking for. Barometer, and it was. It was like, well, he's not collecting it, but uh, so there must be something wrong with these figures. But I know there isn't. So what's wrong with him? He's clearly not a fan. And I think, I think. I'm not just saying James E. Talk. I'm saying I think every day that happens online where people go, I like this this cartoon. It's like, well, I don't. And it's like, okay. And then it just becomes this thing of, well, if you, rather than, I know this is like I'm flogging a dead horse or being a dead horse, but it should be a discussion. It should always be a discussion of, you know, okay, you like that. That's great. It's not my cup of tea, but, you know, life goes on. And you're allowed, don't get me wrong, you're allowed to um, have opinions and allowed to, 
break it down, but just telling someone they're wrong or just saying like, or questioning someone's fandom, which we see a lot of. And it's like, I don't care if someone's jumped on two weeks ago and is collecting Origins. They're, they're, that, that, that's to me as someone that's a fan. It's like, you like that stuff. That's fine. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. what? Because I could have turned to the other, I could have turned back to the guy who criticised me and said, uh, do you own any He-Man and She-Ra cells? And he would have said, no. And I go, well, you're not a fan then. You know, it's like, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Have, you sp- have you spent 30 years of your life talking about He-Man Shira online? No? Well, you're not a fan then. It's like, that doesn't happen. It's not, it doesn't work like that. People mm-hmm. should be allowed to enjoy this stuff as much as they want. They should be allowed to enjoy it for whatever it is. And I've always said like, you know, I know we have like our preferred ideas of He-Man of the Master Universe um, and Shira Princess of Power. Um, just because I like filmation doesn't mean that's the only thing I like. There are elements of the Alcala mini comics. I love, love the three issue DC limited series that precedes the cartoon. That whole, you know, He Man and Cringer running to the cave of power to transform, and then the, you know, the medallions and the Zodak appearance, and they end up in Castle Grace. I love that three issue series. That's not everybody's cup of tea either. But um, another, sorry, not, I'll try and not knock this on the head, but one other discussion I had recently was um, about people being not being able to um, be impartial or, you know, look to other opinions. So I said something like, uh, I know John Callis will disagree greatly with this. I said, I said, and this is fine, that's allowed, <laughs> um, although he's wrong. I said, um, the real Ghostbusters, I said, I think the real Ghostbusters is... Uh, the best written cartoon of the 80s, at least the syndicated season, I should stress, which was the the bulk of the good stuff, the Straczynski series, I should say. And and one guy was like, you're wrong. And I was like, okay. I was, and he said, and I said, I said something like the animation's great as well. And he goes, he goes, Thundercats is the best cartoon. No, he said, Thundercats is the best written cartoon. And I said, okay, what's your favourite cartoon? He's like, Thundercats. I said, so, okay, your favourite cartoon is the one that you think has the best writing. The difference with me is I love He-Man and She-Ra, but I still think Real Ghostbusters is a better written cartoon. So I'm able to create that, you know, have that ability to go, love this, but that works. Whereas this mm-hmm. goes like, no, Thundercats will die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You must have loved Raw then. <laughs> so it's, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm not saying anything nobody's heard before, but it is, it's getting harder and harder every day to go online and try to have conversations with people. Um, it just, uh, or try and just be, you know, the person I've been online all these years, I'm starting to lose patience and I don't, I don't want to ever be that person. It's like, I'm just going to continue to make silly videos, you know, produce unofficial stuff, try not to get sued every other day. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, and I think that's like, like this podcast, you know, you, you guys have been going <laughs> for, for so long and it's, you, you're not getting paid to do this. You're doing it because you have a love of He-Man and She-Ra and that's all anybody should do is I always say to people, it's like, just, you know, if you hate something, Oh, I hate revelation. Well then, tell me what your story is or write something or illustrate something or, or get a team together and create something. It's like, no, I'm just going to sit here and say how much I hate it and hate it and hate it. It's like, okay, it's a free country. You're allowed to do it. It's a free world. But man, there's people should use that, like that passion, that fiery passion to, to, to create and, and, and bring new stuff to the table. But yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, of course, it's a real bummer, isn't it? <laughs> well, no, speaking of, you know, being creative and bringing in the love, and maybe if anyone does just want to kind of feel that, 
I don't, I hate using the word nostalgic love because I feel my love for Himen and Shira is deeper than nostalgia because I, it never ended. It's not yeah. like I'm returning to Himen and Shira, you know, years upon years after being a child. Um, but everyone should head over to Indiegogo and type in uh, Faking Filmation. You'll find all the information you need to not only back the documentary, but I'm assuming I did the original Kickstarter, you know, where I'm going to get the Blu-ray or whatever and all that yeah. fun stuff. Um, so I am I am definitely anticipating that. He, uh, Rob, did the other uh, He-Man documentary um, that was oh, on yeah. ne Netflix for a while. And if you purchase um, uh, the uh, complete He-Man or She-Ra filmation um uh, episodes on iTunes. It actually includes that documentary as well. And it's, it's a fantastic oh, wow. one. Yeah. So I'm absolutely looking forward to, um, what he's going to do, uh, with, uh, not only your return of, uh, faker, you know, footage, but the entire kind of narrative there, uh, with filmation. Cause I think it'll be a really nice focused, uh, love letter. Uh, yeah. so definitely looking uh, forward to that. So it'll be on Indiegogo. James, if we, if people who don't know who you are for some reason want to follow you, where should they go? Oh my goodness. Um, there was a time I used to be able to say, look me on, look, look me up on Wikipedia. That was actually a really good thing to say on dates. The last <laughs> time I tried to use, the last time I tried to use that on a date, she went to my Wikipedia and was like, um, you're not there anymore. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, no. That was like about, was it a month ago? Wikipedia removed me because I wasn't a notable person. I was like, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> you're not to for us, 10 James. Years. <laughs> so I was like, I'd had a 10 year career on Wikipedia. But um, now the best place to follow me, because it's where I, I guess I post the most things, is um, on Instagram. I'm at serialgeek77. That's serial as in breakfast cereal, not serial killer. <laughs> Just, um, yeah, breakfast cereal as in serial geek. Uh, 77 because someone else got serial geek before I did. Son of no. a it's another He-Man fan though, I believe. Cause I think I follow them too. <laughs> yeah. Cause oh, he gets funny. tagged in stuff and he's like, I think this one's for you. And I was like, that would be for me. <laughs> so, yeah, it happens. Well, we want to thank James uh, for coming on and thanks to everyone always as downloading our sporadic episodes. I'm John Callis, also known as a shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as rainbow bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratosmacker. And I'm Josh Lioncourt, also known as Lioncourt. And then James will join us for hopefully a good journey. Good, good journey. journey. Just like to do a beatbox at the end. <laughs> <laughs>